All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast, and I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, within the last few months, I came across something that I think our audience should be paying close attention to in the world of angel investing. But I have a a, a feeling that our our guest today is going to talk to us about something even more than angel investing. But I think uh, that's the thing that brought us together. Uh, I, I came across, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I came across a program called Making Black Angels. Okay. And our guest today is actually the founder and the CEO of the Institute for Entrepreneur in, uh, Leadership, who helped put this program together. Our guest today is Jill Johnson. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm looking forward to learning from you and understanding your journey. Just for people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about what you do, and uh, then we can kind of get into some of the initiatives uh, that uh, we should we have in common. Wow. So a little bit about what I do. Um, you know, every day I try to change lives and help create opportunity uh, for lots of folks who are giving entrepreneurship a try and uh, really trying to look at building wealth through business ownership um, and create more inclusion. That, uh, you know, I do a lot of things, but at the most fundamental level, that is what we're trying to do. Open doors, open more doors for more people to be able to create uh, the wealth that we all feel is needed, uh, is possible, um, but has really been um, part of an historical exclusion that has occurred for certain communities. When you first started this journey of uh, working towards uh, this goal, did you, what are some of the things that you may have underestimated about uh, solving this issue of uh, racial equality, uh, gender inequality when it comes to uh, wealth. Is there anything that you may have underestimated? Well, let me talk a little bit about, about my journey because it didn't actually start with trying to solve those issues at that okay. level. Okay. Um, my father and I started the Institute for Entrepreneurial Leadership together in 2002. My parents were entrepreneurs. They had a business. Uh, it was called City News, a uh, local uh, statewide newspaper. Um, they had several publications. They built this business over 20 years or so, had a great you know, brand recognition. They were pillars of the community, all that good stuff. So I had an opportunity to see the world of business ownership, like front and center, like, you know, we were in it. So I saw the ups and the downs. Um, the challenge was when they decided that after 20 years, they wanted to move on and, you know, enjoy life in a, in a different way. Um, they had not built the business in a way that they could extract the value from it, um, you know, and realize the value from their business uh, monetarily. And so they ended up shutting the business down rather than selling it. Now, that's very common, uh, especially with Black-owned businesses. Um, it's, it's common across the board, but I became familiar with this, you know, concept of, of selling a business. Um, through my experience, when I started my career right out of undergrad, 
in the financial analyst program in mergers and acquisitions at Goldman Sachs. So that was a different side of the coin, right, where there are not really resource constraints and limitations with access to capital. And I saw how people get really, really super wealthy. Unfortunately, none of those people who were part of my experience there were people of color um, and they were not women. And so that led me, you know, kind of to this thinking of, wow, you know, this is a concept that we need to introduce within communities of color, especially within the black community. Um, and so when my parents uh, shuttered uh, uh, City News, my father and I came together and started the Institute for Entrepreneurial Leadership really to be a resource to business owners like my parents who have something great from which they could be building wealth, right? And so that we were, were not losing these opportunities for wealth creation. So that's where we started. It was at a, at a fundamental level of let's help some business owners, right? Let's help more business owners to do better. And it was over the course of time and really in, let's say, probably uh, 2018, right? So from 2002 to 2018, it was about helping business owners. It was in 2018 that I actually had this aha moment that, oh my gosh, over all this time, we've been doing really great work helping businesses. And there were people who wouldn't be in business if not for the work that we were doing or wouldn't be where they are or whatever. But at the systemic level, nothing had changed. The conversation about access to capital was still exactly the same. People were, you know, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in general was still um, not inclusive. Um, it was still very clear who was getting access to resources and, and who was not. And so um, that was when I had, you know, this, this pivot for myself personally in terms of where I wanted to focus and for the organization that I said, we need to do this at a systemic level. So, you know, individual business owners, uh, founders and entrepreneurs are still the beneficiaries of our work, but I'm really in this so that we are not having the same conversation about access to capital, you know, lack thereof, um, 10, 20 years from now. Like it just, there are two, there are so many brilliant people in the world. There are so many things that we are figuring out, cures for all kinds of things and, you know, individual private citizens are traveling into space, electric vehicles, all of that, we should be able to figure this out too. And that's what I'm keen on doing. Thank you so much for sharing that. You mentioned, uh, you know, kind of the behind the scenes work in the uh, M&A space, and you discovered uh, that, you know, wealth is being created. If you could, what did you find out? Because man, I know people are listening to this and saying, wait, she said she saw where wealth was being created. Well, how, you know, how's it happening? What did you see and what, it, and how does that uh, relate to the information that you're bringing uh, today? Yeah, well, I realized from that experience, one, just about this whole M&A market, right? The companies are bought and sold and that it's not just major companies that do these acquisitions but it's smaller companies that do acquisitions. And that's a, a strategy for growth um, that during the whole tech boom. So um, I also, during the uh, dot-com boom, um, the whole first wave, uh, I wrote business plans for companies that were raising money. 
Wow. And again, you know, I saw how people started a company, uh, didn't even, I wouldn't even say they grew it, but like started a company, got something off the ground. And then a couple of years later, we're selling that and they were wealthy. Right. And so that is something that more people, especially younger people who have seen the whole rise of the tech space that they have, have seen and, and understand a bit more, but, um, People in my parents' generation like didn't really see that on a regular basis. And it was not something that was so commonplace. And a lot of people don't translate that activity to non-tech companies. But you have dry cleaners. You have um, service-based businesses that are bought and sold every single day. It's a booming market. And it's one that, again... If you don't know that that is potentially the the end game or it's it's the piece of the equation that can get you to wealth, if you don't know that, you're not starting your business and operating your business in a way that actually helps you to get there. I, I want to dive into you know how the angel investing world plays a part in this, but I'm I'm curious because I think you would be the perfect person to ask. Why aren't we taught these types of conversations early on? I'm sure some are, but it seems like a vast majority of people, maybe even in high school or even like the early college years, if you knew about the M&A market, you knew that you could buy a business, you could sell businesses, you can create wealth that in that uh, arena, uh, more people would go towards that way. Why do you think more people don't know about it in the early years? Well, Derek, I'm going to ask you, turn the sure. table a little bit and ask you about your education. Did did you learn about these things in school? No. Uh, did you I, learn I, about building wealth in school? No. Well, <laughs> I, I feel, you know, I I, uh, I went to a HBCU and I'll be quite honest, I felt like I was being built. It wasn't just HBCU, it was high school to uh, grad school as well. You're being built to be a worker. You know, mm -hmm. you're being built to take care of somebody else's work, not necessarily how to start your own company and how to create generational wealth. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why that is. It wasn't until I started, uh, you know, the, this podcast and start talking to people uh, away from schools where I actually learned what's really going on. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll share. I went to Harvard for undergrad, okay. majored in economics. I didn't learn anything about this type of thing and, and building wealth. Wow. Um, most of us are taught to work for someone else, right? To be a good employee. I mean, and let's face it, that's how the majority of people make a living, right? Working mm -hmm. in a, in a company, a large company, or even working in a small business, but to have to basically um, survive based on eating what you kill that is not a comfortable position for right. a lot of people. You know, I was very fortunate to have exposure to that through my parents, but they didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. They didn't have, um, you know, the, the role models, you know, they met peer business owners, but they did not come from a legacy of business ownership. And so what happens is that you, you figured out as you're going along, right? but you don't know what you don't know. And that is one of the, the challenges that I really started to 
um, identify and that we try to address now through our work is that you don't know what you don't know. And, and people in resource-rich communities learn so much just through dinner table conversation um, and, and the exposure that they have. So if you're going to uh, prep schools where someone's parent um, or relative sold a business, uh, your college roommates with someone who sold a business, you're playing golf in the golf club with someone who sold a business, or, or that's the conversation, or uh, you know, your parents are talking about uh, investments and a company that they invested in or a family member's company in which they invested, you have some sort of familiarity about that. I have two children right now who have business ventures. We're like to talk about their business plans is nonstop. <laughs> and, you know, the raising money and one of them is about to start raising money and the other one's about to launch his platform, uh, internet-based, uh, content-based company, but they have access to information that I didn't have growing up, even though my mm -hmm. parents had a, a business and it's information they certainly didn't have. So a lot of this information, it's just, it's, it's based on the networks. And this is the reason that, uh, people from historically excluded populations that have not been part of wealth building. You don't know how to build wealth because you haven't been part of it and no one teaches you. It's, it's a closed, it's a very closed uh, loop of, in, of the information flow. But through your, your, at least the one course that I came across, you may even have others and I'm, I'd love to hear about them. So through this course of making black angels, I would love to hear, uh, you know, kind of the, the root of it and then how it's helping solve some of these issues where people don't have the necessary information. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Making Black Angels program. Yeah. So when we launched our initiative around uh, creating more connections to help to open doors for women of color entrepreneurs, um, we had a session about angel investing. And that really came about because I was talking about this event with a very close friend of mine um, who had a you know 25 year career in the financial services industry and all of that. So you know she was an industry insider in the world of finance, and I just happened to casually mention something about angel investing, and she looked at me with this kind of quizzical look and like wait what do you mean? And is like regular people can, can just do that. And how do you get involved in that? And I realized like, oh my gosh, she does not know anything about this. And so we had this panel at the, at the first event and uh, several people joined the event, joined that panel discussion and came out of it saying, I want to learn more about this angel investing thing. Oh my goodness. I never knew about this. I never knew the requirements and that I could have been investing in private companies. Now we all hear about public markets, right? Get involved mm -hmm. in the stock market. And we all hear about real estate, but investing in private companies, most people don't realize that this is something that they can do. And so um, in realizing one, that 
um, people tend to invest in the people who they know, like, and trust, which tend to be the people who are in your community who are most like you. That's how we got to this concept of the making of black angels. Oftentimes people will say, oh my gosh, you know, um, these uh, white Silicon Valley guys are not investing in anyone else. All right, there are some challenges there for sure. However, it's not always as sinister as people make it out to be because they are investing in people who they know, like, and trust. Others do the same, right? We, we typically see in companies if it's a black owned company, they're hiring more black people. If it's a, a, a company owned by a Chinese American, they're hiring typically more Chinese Americans. If it's a woman owned company, they're typically hiring more women. It is just human nature. And so with that said, you know, we said that um, there's research actually that shows that women angel investors have led to, or there's a correlation, I won't say it led, but there is a correlation for sure between the number of women angel investors and the number of women receiving angel investment capital. We looked at that data and said, if that is true for women, it should be true for Black people as well. And it can be true for the Latinx community. It can be true for any individual specific community. We wanted to start with the Black community because it was a community that we know best. Um, and it was a community that is... Um, uh, has been the most excluded historically. Um, and so uh, um, that's where we started, created the Making of Black Angels. And our focus is on creating greater awareness just about angel investing, what it is, how to get into it, what it involves. Um, and then uh, last year, we acquired Pipeline Angels, um, which is a training component that really supports um, uh, women, uh, both trans and cis, uh, non-binary, uh, two-spirit, agender folks uh, investing in the same. So that, you know, we're creating by the diversity of the investor community, greater diversity in the entrepreneurs and founders that are receiving investment capital. That's the thesis. And congratulations on that the acquisition. I saw that on your website earlier. Thank you. Definitely. So when people do come across this information, I know we'll have the link in the uh, the show notes. What do you hope people, after they go through the program, what do you hope that they do next? I mean, obviously, maybe invest. Uh, but do, do they go and find an angel investing uh organization close by? Do they try to do it more on a national level since there may not be as many angel investing specifically for uh, our community? What, what would be a good route for them to consider? The first thing that we want people to do is to expand their network, get to know more people, get to know more people who are not like you, right? Um, we feel that that is really the basis mm. for inclusion because there is so much that many of us have in common. Unfortunately, those commonalities uh, are just often not even explored because we stop with what people look like, right? Um, or the communities from which they come. And so what we try to do is, again, to just foster relationships. Um, 
anyone who's thinking about investing, you know, educate yourself. Our, our work is really about creating awareness and helping people to, to start their journey and giving them uh, some basic tools to, to just, again, like understand what it is and then to decide on the path that they want to take for themselves. Now, having this information arms you to do two things. One, to be an investor yourself, potentially. And yes, we encourage people to explore all the different groups that are out there. We help to, you know, make introductions to the various angel groups that are out there. Um, you know, whether you want to invest with a group or do it on your own, but just have other resources and connections with people. So we're definitely helping folks to get started on their journey um, and, and connect with others who are like-minded, who are focused, who are intentional about inclusion. I think that's the piece for us that's really key um, about to creating the change is that intentionality about inclusion. But then the second thing that it does is it makes you a tremendous resource within your community, whatever that community is, for entrepreneurs and founders, right, to have information so that when one of your family members or a friend says, hey, Derek, I'm starting a business, you are then able to help that person to understand what questions people are going to be asking when that friend is raising money. Or even if they're going to a bank, you know, for a loan, what are the things that that person needs to have in their pitch deck or in their business plan? You know, when, when you're um, educated from an investor uh, perspective with that investor mindset, you're able to give advice to the entrepreneurs, small businesses, and founders in your network that will help them be better prepared to raise capital, whatever kind of capital that is. I love that. You know, when I was going through your program, the first thing that came to my mind is how do I start my own angel network here in Charlotte, North Carolina? I started looking around just to kind of see if somebody was already doing it. There's no need to reinvent mm -hmm. something, but I didn't quite see anything that was uh, what I was looking for. What do you say to those people who build networks um, and who say, oh, you know, I have this skill set of building ecosystems. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know anything about angel investing. What would be some advice you would give to someone who wants to uh, learn this information and then duplicate it and have their own angel network in their own community? Well, one, I will put in a very shameless plug for our Creating Conscious Collisions Roadshow Tour. Mm -hmm. uh, we went to 50, we started with, with four cities in 2022. Last year, we went to 10 cities. In 2024, we're going to 15 cities. Charlotte is one of those cities that we went oh. to last year. Okay. We'll be there again this year. And so, you know, I would encourage people to, um, well, one, to join us it, with that event because we're bringing together um, investors, allies, champions who want to know each other and want to connect and want to meet some amazing entrepreneurs who happen to be women of color. Um, but I really encourage people to, if you're thinking about creating your own uh, angel group, let's say, or a network, um, to dive into the angel community, meet people, go to where uh, uh, they're doing pitch, pitch presentations or competitions. So a lot of um, universities and colleges are now, business schools are doing uh, uh, 
pitch competitions of some kind. Um, if you just look up pitch competitions, you can typically find them. Even go to ones that are outside of your area and bring that back to your area. Um, it, it's, it's really about connecting because to be part of a group and to have that group uh, be sustainable and to work, you need enough people that are investing together to, to make it work. Um, you know, one of the things I want to dispel is that a lot of people feel like to be an angel investor, investor, you have to be investing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. Um, there are angel investors, either as individuals or as a, as a group, they might be investing 20,000. It could be 10,000. There are people who, as part of a group, each will invest 5,000 or even 2,000 as what we call, you know, part of a, a syndicate. Um, and they may form together what's called a special purpose vehicle, SPV. And they pull their money so that it goes on the capitalization table for that founder um, as a line of investment that's made by that group. Oftentimes, uh, founders will have a minimum because it's just more efficient for them. So in an investment round, maybe the minimum is 25,000. It might be 100,000 or 250,000. Well, if you can't afford to put in the minimum uh, on your own by yourself, you can pull resources with a group of people and together you collectively invest at that minimum level. So that's how that works. And that's really the benefit of investing with a group. You can get in uh, you know, more deal opportunities at a lower dollar amount personally. And oftentimes that's the way to go, especially when you're first getting started, you know, it's dip your toe in the water and get your feet wet, learn, you're going to make mistakes. You have to realize that most of this, this money will not be returned to you and your, you know, the investments will be lost, but there could be that one or two, hopefully more as you create a portfolio of investments that, um, you know, one pays off and that's the one you need. And this is one of the ways that people uh, generate wealth is through angel investing. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. You know, in the whole scheme of um, investments, it, it is risky. And like I said before, it is likely that you will never see that money again. Mm -hmm. And it's gone because, you know, most businesses, most companies fail that are getting started. Um, and venture capitalists certainly take a portfolio approach where they invest in a lot and in the hopes that one actually makes it. Well, one of the, the, the uh, ideas, the concepts that some of us are really trying to promulgate within this space is what if we could have more companies doing better? And it's not just invest in 10 and you know, invest in 20 and hope that one of them succeeds. It is, can you invest in 10 and through your energy and support and you opening doors that you can help 10 of them succeed, right? What about if we did that? And even if it's smaller amounts of capital, what about if we could help them generate revenue more quickly and get to profitability more quickly so they don't even need to raise as much capital and you're able to get a return on your investment in that way. There are many of us who, you know, cer certainly you would love to make, you know, millions and millions of dollars from a single investment. But what if you even just had a return on investment 
um, you know, at, at smaller amounts, you know, with each investment, it's $10,000 you're making back. And, you know, you had 10 investments in a year that were each returning $10,000 to you, 20,000, 50,000, right? Smaller dollar amounts. And that, that's the strategy that we see from founders that can, you know, that are highly scalable and that can be worth billions of dollars down to the small businesses that serve local communities that maybe need $50,000 of total capital to help them get to that next level. That's where I really think that individuals, especially as we look at this issue around uh, black wealth building, where people coming together and saying, okay, you know, um, this company needs uh, $50,000. We're gonna have 10 of us each put in 5,000, we're going to do a, a loan for that company. We're going to get an attorney to put together the legal documentation. So it's all, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed. But this business now is able to, in two years, let's say pay us back with some sort of, um, at some sort of interest rate that works for them and works for us, right? That's not your typical angel investing, the way that people typically talk about angel investing. But we really believe that in the Black community, that's how we can adopt um, the angel investor mindset and adapt uh, that, um, that process to the needs that we have specifically within the Black community around access to capital and building wealth. Thank you for that. You know, as you were uh, dropping all this wisdom on me, I started thinking about, uh, you mentioned earlier about, well, sometimes, you know, you may have to be more of an active investor and maybe help out the business in other ways than money. Are the founders and entrepreneurs uh, becoming more open to uh, maybe that approach? Because I know sometimes it's, you know, I just need X amount of dollars and I'll be successful. Are, are we seeing more people uh, more open to wisdom that may not you know, uh, cause them to have to need as much money or the necessary partnerships? Yeah, Derek, that is that is huge. Um, think about it like this. And, and, and we have a very extensive volunteer support community um, because there are a lot of people that have tremendous expertise, right? That they're in their everyday jobs. They're using this expertise. So for them to um, share, uh, give, um, invest an hour of their time with the expertise uh, to a business owner, that can be invaluable, right? It could be the, the thing that changes the course of the trajectory for that business owner. In addition, like say it's legal services. So we have attorneys that volunteer with us. Um, uh, that, that legal expertise could be tens of thousands of dollars that if a business does not have capital, there's no way that they have that money to spend. And even if they do have capital, now it's a trade-off between, do I get that piece of equipment that makes my company, my business more efficient? Um, or that I need to produce my product, or do I spend $10,000 on legal services? Well, guess where the business owner typically ends up, right? They're not investing the money in the legal services. Then things go wrong. They have a legal snag, and now it potentially puts them out of business, or they're spending a lot more money trying to recover. 
So the expertise part of it is really huge. And it's a it's really an opportunity um, uh, to amplify the capital that people might be investing. So yes, it's really important. Um, we encourage people to uh, find opportunities to provide help. Oftentimes as a business owner, it's difficult to ask for help, especially in the black community where um, you know, we're taught to be uh, strong, not to let people see the issues, the challenges that we're facing, you know, uh, be in, in closed, behind closed doors. Um, you have to put on, you know, that game face and just go out there and make it happen. Meanwhile, a lot of people don't have folks within their community, within their network that they can lean on for expertise. And that's the other thing in resource rich communities, they're getting like this familial incubation before they even go out and raise capital, right? So they've gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of expertise before they even start raising capital. We try to go and start a business and raise, I don't know, $100,000 or so. And then we're trying to spend that money on expertise that we need because mm. we don't have it within our network. So, right. you know, we are trying to manufacture that, like create this, this community that our entrepreneurs and founders and small business owners can use as their uh as as their uh support system really their circle of support i love that you know i, I said earlier that we're going to have the link to uh the course the program uh in the show notes uh but before we head out uh who is the ideal people that you want to work with and how can they work with your organization? What would be a good fit uh, for what, what you're trying to accomplish? Absolutely. And thank you for that question, because I think it is one um, that we don't often get asked. And uh, that's really important. We want people to be part of our community of change agents. Um, and I, you know, I don't want people to be scared by that term. It's like, oh, change agents. I'm not going to be out in the street marching with signs and <laughs> all of this stuff. Um, you know, I think oftentimes people think that that that's what being a change agent means. And what we want people to do is to identify what the issues are. And sometimes that takes being part of conversations to understand what the issues are, right? And talking to lots of people to understand what the issues are. But it's saying that, you know, I believe in this cause of inclusion within the entrepreneurial ecosystem, right? I think that there are barriers that exist and I wanna see those barriers removed. So anyone who does that at a fundamental level, we want you part of this community and part of our work. Um, people who are willing to open doors. Some folks may not understand how to do that initially. We'll help you find the pathways to open those doors. We try to make it as easy as possible for people to to act. That's the whole thing. You know, it's one thing to have an intention and to think that something needs to be done. It's another thing to act upon that intention. And, you know, we have this saying at Eiffel that um, allies act. So whether you are an ally, a, a champion, uh, a supporter, however you consider yourself, as uh, being invested in the positive outcomes of more people succeeding through entrepreneurship. Our thing is saying, you know, you can help whether that is money, that you're actually investing money, 
that you are investing your time and expertise or that you're making introductions that matter. If you can do any of those three, we welcome you to be part of this work that we're doing and we will create a path that is, um, uh, I will say, it, it, it's, we make it as easy as possible and we try to reduce the friction to you acting upon your intention to eradicate these barriers to access to capital. Well, you and I share uh, a similar initiative in life. And so if there's anything I can do, uh, I want to make sure I can be uh, a vessel to get that accomplished. We're starting with this episode. I think this is one of the most pivotal conversations that we need to have uh, because it allows us to kind of put the control back into our hands and not necessarily look outside of us for the answer. Absolutely. And so as soon as I came across your information, I, I sent you a message on, uh, on LinkedIn. I said, I have to talk to you and spotlight this. It is such important work. So thank you for the work that you're doing. I appreciate that very much. And if there are folks out there who are part of their company ERG groups or other uh, broad uh, social type organizations, we are happy to uh, speak to those groups about angel investing, um, this whole issue around access to capital and what people can do to be involved. For us, uh, you know, we know that there are a lot of challenges and the barriers are really high. And you know, we're facing like a whole tidal wave uh, of being pushed backward. And so this is going to take all of us coming together and doing whatever it is we can within uh, our own realm of the work that we do and all of that in our local communities even um, to, to be the change. And so we welcome partnership with anyone and any organization that is about that. And we really appreciate you, Derek, in making this opportunity available to share our story and our information. Thank you. Thank you. And you're welcome. Uh, thank you again, Jill, for being here on Black Equity Podcast. You have an open invite uh, to come back yeah. anytime. And I'll try to get that date from you of when you're coming to Charlotte so we can come out and support as well. Thank you so much for coming on Black Equity. Thank you.